Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Time to talk some college football, some NFL football with James Laurinaitis. Wait, wait, wait. You think we're going to talk football with James Laurinaitis when you got that wrestling freak over there? You know he's going to want to talk about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but James, former Ohio State Buckeye, NFL linebacker, now at the Big Ten Network and Sirius XM. James, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing, doing great. Doing really well, and uh, I'd like to see you on the Big Ten Network. That's a really cool gig that you were able to uh, to get. Is that something that you had your eye on, even in your playing career? Because uh, to me, I mean, you were such a beast out there on the field. Like You look at someone like Brian, and you're thinking, uh, you know, he's going to go into TV and radio, but I never, I didn't quite see it from you at first. Did you envision that happening? I did. I think it was either between uh, trying to do something on TV or or else be involved in coaching and having two young daughters right now, uh, one being almost three years old here in September and the other the other one waking me up in the middle of the night still at five months. Um, th- those two are, are demanding a lot of my time. And so I was thinking, you know, gosh, I love the game of football. It's, it's what I've done since fourth grade. And it's just something that I, I can't do my whole life and just be like, okay, I'm done. You know, it's time to walk away. So I figured let's, let's, I'm, I'm going to be talking about it every single weekend anyway. And so let's go and, uh, let's go and try to make a career out of it. But, uh, doing broadcast boot camp this off season really helped kind of guide that it was going to be something that I, that I thought I could do. And, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So you're surprised he's going this route, and you weren't surprised I went this route. That's right, yeah. Why are you not surprised I went this route? Because you're louder, and you can't be a coach. Why can't I be a coach? Well, you always tell me you can't be a I coach. I know. It. Well, not because I'm loud. Coaches need to be loud. Yeah, but you don't have enough patience to coach. True. Like James could coach. James, could you coach? I could, but here's the hard thing. I think it would only be the NFL level. I'm not, I'm not big on this whole uh, – the whole recruiting and how recruiting has kind of gotten out of control and now there's early signing periods and yada, yada, yada. It's just, it's a nonstop gig. So, but then I, I, every time I think about man to be a part of a team and go out there, I just think about, and you know, this, the, the time, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm out the facility a ton yep. in season, but these coaches are there before me and they're there way after me. And I always used to ask myself, like, I don't know what the heck they're looking at over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and um, then some of them want you to look at it over and over and over and over and over and over. They need to go home. Yeah. <laughs> some of them like to meet just to meet. Those were the, exactly. those were, those yeah. not the good my coaches. The meetings, the staff meetings about the first, the future meetings. Yeah. That's always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so how difficult has this transition been? You, you're fresh out of the NFL now and of course training camp hits and you know, for the last eight and nine, 10 years, you've been right there in the mix of it. And all of a sudden, Whoa, I don't have to pack up everything, say goodbye to the family and head to a dorm room for the next, you know, five, six weeks. Tell you what, my body feels great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm happy that I'm not going through that grind. I mean, I'll be, I do yard work sometimes, and I'll get all sweaty and everything. I'm like, gosh, can I 
imagine having a helmet and pads on and hitting linemen and then basically colliding with running backs. You know, I, I, I love, like I said, I love the game of football, but um, I feel like over the last few years with, with the way that my, my knee had felt, basically just the maintenance of it, nothing major that I've ever gone through, but just the maintenance and wear and tear, it didn't become fun to work out anymore. And I was always priding myself on being a guy who was in the gym a lot, um, basically, I was, my whole thing was I had to be smarter and I had to basically try to outwork you because I wasn't as, as athletically talented as a lot of people I was playing with in the National Football League. And when I lost that ability to try to out-train people, then it became, well, I'm just trying to hold on. You know, I'm trying to hold on to the door of like a train going down the tracks because the NFL train keeps moving. But I just really felt myself trying to hold on. And I, finally, I was just like, you know what? I've been blessed to to have made a good living playing in the National Football League. Um, but now it's time for that next chapter. And the transition's been, been uh, pretty smooth. I, my wife probably would say otherwise. <laughs> Being home uh, every day since really November is, is an eye-opener for her. I, I ruined her system, I think, and, and kind of her flow and how she had the house in line. But um, I, I'm excited for really the football season to get started so that I can, you know, basically start this TV stuff and, and analyze some some college football and, and some pro football. Gio and Jones with former linebacker James Laurinaitis now with the Big Ten Network. All right, let's talk some Big Ten football. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. How do you think that those three will end up shaking out when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think and this is not uh, – everyone's going to call it bias, right, and call me a homer, but I think Ohio State is top to bottom the most talented roster in the Big Ten now. I was surprised with the preseason um, kind of predictions that the Cleveland paper does uh, when they gather all the Big Ten kind of writers and they do it like an unofficial, basically, predictions for the teams. They have, I think, 34 writers had Ohio State first and only five or something for Penn State second. And I was like, look, I, in my opinion, Penn State has more returning production. I'm talking about guys who have actually played and, and put stats on the field than Ohio State does now. That game's in Columbus this year. That's why I like the Buckeyes to, to win the East. And then in the West, I like I like Wisconsin. Um, it was the same thing. I mean, Wisconsin, I was reading yesterday, they've been in the Big Ten Championship four out of the six times it's even been around. It's it's pretty remarkable to see the consistency that they've had. And and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a homer and say Ohio State, but it's not just because I've played there, right? It's because I think they had the game versus Penn State in Columbus, Ohio, and then if you're Michigan, it's all going to come down to how do they start? How do they start against Florida? Um, can they get through that game and, and get some get some momentum? Uh, Greg Schiano, Greg Schiano, <laughs> your new defensive coordinator there, uh, Ohio State, said that that D-line is the better than some of the D-lines he had at the NFL level. You played the NFL level. Uh, is that just hyperbole? We, I know they're good. I love Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis. I know they're good, but – better than some of the D-lines he's had in the NFL, that's way – that's going overboard. Wouldn't you say a little bit? Yeah, I would, I would say it's definitely going overboard. Uh, I, and I, and I, when I was with them uh, last week, I believe – yeah, last week I was with him and, and um, Adrian Hawk and I were up there and, and doing a Ohio State camp tour, and we asked him about it, and he, he didn't back down from it. He said, listen, I, I knew it was going to put a lot of pressure on these guys. I knew that – my room can handle it. He's like, but I look at this talent in this room, and he's like, it's not just the guys that people know about. It's these 
it's these young kids as well that, are, that have come in, and um, he really believes he has six guys in that D-line that are going to play in the National Football League. So if you look at it from that perspective, and you're saying, okay, well, maybe he's got an argument. But to say that he's, they're better than guys that were already in the league when he was a coach, it's, it's going a little far. And I think it's, it goes right on lines where you, you see, you know, every year you have a guy, some, some group of people on Twitter, right, they're always like, oh, Alabama could beat the Browns. Like it's, all right, let's just let's pump our brakes a little bit <laughs> Right. Here. You know, let's just stop. Like, I get it. Like, the Browns are struggling. Um, I've been a part of some of those teams. I was on a 1-15 Rams team, a 2 14 but there's no way a college team was going to beat us. There's just no way. No matter how bad we were, there was no way. So, I, listen, the talent that they have there, I mean, they have a D lineman, Chase Young. The kid, the kid's 6'5", like 265, and then all the coaches say that he could beat most of their linebackers in, in like a 10-yard split. I mean, they have freaks that are there, and Urban has just been able to roll them through. And uh, so I think that's why Coach Ciano is, is so high in his group. You mentioned you went through a one in fifteen season. I went through a one in fifteen season. How did you get through that? How difficult was it to go to go to work each and every week? Well, I was young, you know. I, I, that was my, I believe that was my rookie year, mm-hmm. um, and so I was I was really young. And to be honest with you, I looked up to guys like Stephen Jackson and said, you know what, this guy's been a vet here for a while, and Stephen would just come to work. You, you would see him in the cold tub and. It's hard. I mean, it's really, as you know, it's really hard going through a pro football season when you're eliminated from the playoffs in October, essentially. So you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, what, what am I playing for? Well, I love the game still. So that's my passion on Sunday is going to be easy. But it's really how do I prepare through the week? Because that's when you start seeing everything get um, kind of harder. Other guys are starting to get a little bit checked out and Plus, just naturally with, with the time and winter, it gets darker earlier, so you just feel like you're in a prison almost. But you, you really just keep doing the same routine over and over. And that's what I've learned from Steven Jackson and O.J. Togway. It's You still do the cold tub. You still do everything that you would do, whether everything was going really well, because essentially the tape that you're going to put on, the, on or the stuff you're going to put on tape, excuse me, is stuff that's going to either give the front office hope to believe that you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. So... You really just kept your head down and kept grinding and trying to stay positive. And quite frankly, every Sunday I was still naive enough to go out there and say, man, this is, this is the week. We're going to turn it around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the only way you can do it. Because if you just, I feel like if you get so negative, um, goodness, you can you can become a cancer in that locker room and you don't want to be that. G. Owen Jones with James It's across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Brian and I had to do some video thing yesterday. One of the questions was, Who's got the best defense in the NFL? And going through every team, I mean, it's tough to come up with a lot of good defenses in the NFL. Now, maybe somebody emerges this year that we weren't expecting, but you've got Houston, you've got Denver, and Baltimore. But, I mean, this league is so geared towards Giants. The, yeah, the Giants. Yeah, good defense, absolutely. They were good last year. But, I mean, that's just four when you could think of a lot more good offenses um, where do you think the defenses as a whole are in the NFL right now? Are we going to see more than like four good defenses in the league this year or not? You know, it's hard because I feel like, I feel like the, the term good defense has kind of gotten a little skewed with, with the way the game has changed, right? I, I don't think the expectations. I remember growing up and you had the, the, the Ravens defenses and the Buccaneers defenses that really won Super Bowls. And, now, because of the way the game has basically spread out, it's exploded. Offenses are doing a lot more different stuff. Um, 
uh, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. I was like, I'm not sure that if I came out in this draft, I would have been drafted second round. I just think the game has changed. You know, when I played in the Big Ten and even early on, it was a lot more 21 personnel, 22 personnel, mm-hmm. where, you know, two backs, two tights, and suited for me. All this 11 stuff, I was able to survive, but I was for <laughs> a couple downs a game back early in my career. But now it's 11 almost all the time, and, and teams, it's all about mismatches. And, and so I think. The, the numbers and what you consider good defense. I mean, I remember watching some games when the Seahawks were really rolling on defense a couple years ago, and they're like, man, this defense is playing great. And they'd already given up 24 points in the game. I'm like, what are we talking about? Playing great, 24 points? Like, to us, a, a great defense was you're not holding up. You, you better hold them under 17. Yep. So when I think about it, though, I, I do love the Texans. Um, I love what, what they're able to do. I love, obviously, Mike Vrabel. Um, the guy that I've gotten to know over the years, just um, being an alumni of, of Ohio State, but I love what what he has. And I think, goodness, Clowney uh, coming along and JJ Watt and uh, Cushing. I mean, those guys all down there statistically were the best defense last year. If you just if you keep JJ Watt healthy and Clowney healthy and let them see what they can reach and their max potential, I like I like what Houston has, and, and I really think it's a perfect situation for Sean Watson. Um, to basically be drafted into, right? You don't have to do a whole lot. Basically, just let your defense set you up, and then capitalize on those, on those, um, those opportunities. Yeah, playing in space, man. You have to be able to do that in today's game, and they do spread you out quite a bit. Uh, Ten personnel. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of that, especially with the Rams oh, back the, the 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 greatest show on turf. So you had to get ready oh, for God. a lot of that. Uh, when you took on Tom Brady, because we, we know they're going to be right back in the mix as they are each and every season. When you took on Brady in that offense, what was your, your, your overarching plan to try to slow them down? Well, what, what Josh McDaniels does um, with his game planning, and I think almost usually better than a lot of other offensive coordinators, I think Kyle Shanahan does a really good job of this as well, is he matches up exact run plays with exact play-action looks. I, I never understood why teams would do these play-action pass plays for protection purposes, and, and you know, where they, the guard would pull to the two-man surface. Well, there's no run play in the history of football that I've seen where one, only one guard pulls to the weak side. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always play-action pass, and so a lot of teams give away tips because they don't run plays that way. Now, if you do two people pulling where it's a guard and a tight end, you know, fake counter action, then, then I can get that. You might fool me, but if you do one, there's not one play that ever happens that way. So I never understood why offenses just give away that way. Josh McDaniels will run certain running plays and then run the exact same look, but it'll be a play action. And so it makes it hard because Tom always tries to not only will do that, but then he'll go fast, he'll go slow, he'll change up the tempo, and he's just – you know, in my opinion, the best quarterback ever. So you, you do those combinations, it makes it hard to slow them down. Every week you go in, you're like, well, we're just going to stop the rushing attack. We we thought we had a good chance to to really match up with them well when we played them in London, um, goodness, three, four years ago now. And the, the thing is with Tom is that he is essentially a coach on the field. He's, he's a genius, and if you can't get points to keep up with him, then it's a, it's a long day, and that goes back to – what Belichick does so well and, and why I think his defenses, even though you don't look, when I think of best defenses like we just talked about, I don't think about the Patriots a lot of time, but what he does very well as a coach and schematically is he can take away your best weapon. 
And so <laughs> I didn't even know what our best weapon was <laughs> with the Rams when we played them. But all I remember is we scored early. We got up seven nothing, and then they scored basically the rest of the time. <laughs> so it was a it was a bad day for us. But it's so hard to prepare for for New England, and if you look at them now with the talent that they have. It's it's. I mean, you're going to be hard to find many losses for the New England Patriots on that schedule because it's a Super Bowl team that has an unbelievable ability each and every offseason to just make it seem like they haven't accomplished anything and that you know they're angry at something and they need to go win again and. With a head coach and Tom doing having that mindset, um, you know New England is is a unique place. Another minute with James Laurinaitis on CBS Sports Radio. If you were still in the league and your team had issues at the quarterback position and they signed Colin Kaepernick, what would you feel about it? I mean, I'd be thinking that they were trying to win football games. Um, quite frankly, I listen. I played against Colin two times every year. Um, and the thing about Colin is, is that production-wise, it started to tail off as a football player, right? So we always felt like early on in his career, heck, we were part of the game where John Dunbar hit Alex Smith and Colin comes in and boom, explodes in the scene. We had no idea what to do with him. I mean, just unbelievable freak running around everywhere, couldn't stop him. And then we figured out, okay, well, Colin stopped really running as effectively as he used to. So let's just bottom up in the pocket. And I think Colin tried to make a conscious decision to be a pocket passer, which he is not. And then some of his production goes down. But you still look at his numbers, still a productive quarterback. The guy's won a ton of football games he's played in the Super Bowl. So if I have a quarterback that goes down, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this guy is proven to get wins. Let's bring him in. Um, what I love about football in general, and, and I get asked a lot about the whole, would you let your son, if you have one someday, play football? Yes, I would. And it's bigger than just, the safety stuff and all that. For me, it's if I didn't play football, football has given me an opportunity to know what it's like, in my opinion, what society should really look like. And I'm in a locker room with people that, when I was in college, I'm, I'm out from suburban Minnesota. I'm not from inner city Cleveland, Ohio, but I play with a lot of guys from inner city Cleveland, Ohio, gentlemen who lived in their cars because their parents were in jail during high school but they still graduated and they got down to Ohio State, got recruited because they were taken care, care of by high school coaches and stuff. These are people that became my brothers and guys that I fought with on a day-in, day-out basis. Now, do we see eye-to-eye politically or maybe about religion or about anything, about girls, whatever? No, not at all. But I love them, and they love me, and that's the beauty about football is that it brings people together, and you can disagree on any topic, on any topic, yet you can have a conversation about it. I think society right now, it's like, if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. And that's just it. And that's where we've gotten to. And I don't know if it's because of social media or anything, but for me, football teaches, and I don't know if you agree with me, but it teaches so many life lessons and, and, and how to get along with people that you might not see eye to eye with. And, it really, in my opinion, what society should look like when you go inside an NFL locker room. It, it teaches you conflict resolution because you have to get, get to solutions. It's a solution-oriented business, and if you don't, you're going to be 1-15. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes you can, you, can, you can resolve a lot of conflicts and still be 1-15. Because <laughs> I've always been blessed to be a part of great locker rooms, fun locker rooms. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I've looked Colin has a has the right as an American to, to protest or do whatever he wants. But what he has done is he started a conversation that would not have been had if he hadn't done what he did. And 
And I think what you're seeing right now, I mean, I love what Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long are doing at Rodney. Um, play with all three of those guys or at some point in my career. I, I know um, the character of all three of those guys. It, it started a conversation about something, and, and I, for some reason I think fans want to just be able to be like, when they tune on sports, they tune out the rest of you know the world and what's happening. But in today's day and age, I think really throughout time, we're not just football players. We're more than football players. People forget that we are human beings and we are um, citizens just like everybody else. And we do have opinions on these things, I think, just because the social media gives us an opportunity to to voice those a lot of times. And it's it's uncharted waters right now with all this, but it's um, it's good to see people bringing up the conversation and trying to bring about positive change. James, thanks for the time this appreciate morning. It, we man. appreciate it. Best of luck this year. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.